You're listening to Intellectual Erection, a place where we talk about the naughty. Oh, to stimulate your thinking. You're listening. You're listening to Intellectual Erection. Intellectual, intellectual, intellectual Erection. Welcome to another episode of Intellectual Erection. I'm your host, Patrick, and today I'm speaking to Ashley. If I had to put a label on it just to be cute, I would call it, I'd be a curious puppy boy. You're probably wondering what a curious puppy boy is. And you know what? I was too. But you're going to have to listen to find out. Trust me, it's worth it. Before we get on to the episode, what do I always ask you to do? Let me think. Oh yeah, go and review, please, on Apple Podcasts. If you have the app, that is kind of where the reviews are most relevant. So open up that app and leave a review with some stars in there. Leave reviews, it does help. And if you can support financially, you know, patreon.com slash intellectual erection. We just had a new patron as well. Check the Insta and you'll see who and what and follow them. But, you know, as always, listen, like, review, and most of all, enjoy. I'm sitting here today with... Ashley. Hi, Ashley. I usually ask my guests what they do i don't know if it pertains really to what we're going to be talking in our interview today but if you want to share what you do or what your life is about we can start with that yeah sure um right now i am enjoying the summer <laughs> and reading a lot of books i just planned a whole europe trip with my partner um i was working and after about 10 years in law enforcement, um, I did the switch to working in the animal services. Um, and I was working at uh, the animal services for a while and I loved it. And I recently just had to leave because of mental health. Um, so I'm just working on me right now to get back to like a better, healthy place. I hear that's really important and some people need to take breaks sometime yeah definitely self-care is important mm -hmm. yeah. awesome okay well we're gonna get right into it oh, I think. Goody. and the thing that i always ask everybody who comes on here i think everybody yeah the, the from origin what I've heard yeah you heard podcast, right you know what i'm talking about I it's the question. origin question yes. i want you to dig deep into your freudian <laughs> psychoanalytic self and tell me all the dirty naughty secrets that made you a pervert I think we're all perverts, so we all have yeah. that kind of story. Um, it started pretty young. and I love when it starts pretty young. Yeah, yeah it's uh, interesting to, to have heard other people's responses in your previous podcast that I've listened to. But, and for me, it started when I was seven. Um, I was living with my grandparents and my next door neighbor. Um, it was a family and they had a boy and they had a girl and she would come over and we would role play and we would make out and she would do things like put tennis balls up her shirt and then I would pretend to feel her up wow. and we knew what we didn't know what we were doing we just knew that it felt good 
but we did it obviously like we didn't like my grandparents basement where no one was there they just thought we were playing like kids do at seven years old um we'd go for a lot of bike rides and go behind like the church and just kiss um the role play thing came there was a, a coffee table and we would just walk around the coffee table and like I would pretend I was someone and I'd grab her and be like, hi, I saw you from over there. I think you're really pretty. Seven years old. And then she just kisses me and then we end up on the couch kind of dry humping. But again, at that age, there's no term for it. At least least there wasn't for me. So it was just like, this feels good. Right. And then I don't know how it happened, but the girl across the street then... I don't know if they she had heard from the next door neighbor that I was fooling around with, but she started kissing me when she would come over. Um, so Ooh, yeah, word spread. Yeah, word spread. It started young. <laughs> it did. Um, and then, like my first girl crush was when I was in grade one, and I didn't. I never thought like, oh, I like a girl. This is wrong. It was just like, oh my god, she's so cute and pretty, and I wanna just share my lunch with her or something um yeah so 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 a lot of i think a lot of people in general and my listeners can attest to this maybe they can write in and tell me if i'm correct i think a lot of us experienced something like that growing up having the that phase probably around exactly the same age around seven where you start exploring you don't really know what you're doing but you're role-playing these sorts of things that you've seen the adults do maybe you've seen it on tv yeah and it's exciting it's taboo and you know you're not really supposed to but you really want to yeah and at that age i don't think we always make the distinction for gender or sex yeah we kind of work with what's immediately available. So I think many of us might have had experiences with multiple, you know, boys, girls, whatever, yeah. to uh, just discover our bodies, right? And yeah. role play. So for you, was it exclusively your girl neighbors? Uh, no, there was one moment in elementary school, I want to say grade two or three, and I remember I was with two boys underneath um, the portable. There was like this little opening where you could go in and just hang out. Um, and one of the boys says, show me yours and I'll show you mine. The classic. Yeah. And um, and I kept saying, I'm like, no, you show me yours first. And then he didn't want to. So eventually I just left him like, you're boring. Like, <laughs> I don't believe you that you're not like, you're going to show me yours after I show you mine. So I just left. Um, and in terms of boys, that was the earliest like experience that I had, even though nothing like really happened. Yeah. Um, and then when I was about 11, 12, I had a boyfriend who lived down the street from my grandparents' house and he would buy me like chocolate and just hang out and we kissed a couple of times but it was just, you know, a peck on the lips. It wasn't anything making out anything too serious. None of that show me or show you mine deal. Um, yeah, and then from there up until the end of elementary school there wasn't really any uh, experience with either gender. Um, And then in high school, that's where I kind of found 
I guess I was I was exploring my identity and how I presented myself um, and that just looked like I came out in grade nine my first year of high school I was always a big tomboy uh, kind of growing up and then when I got into grade 11 my look changed into more of a femme look I discovered a straightener and contacts and <laughs> highlights and makeup and all of a sudden this tomboy you know person goes to very feminine and she's a lesbian so then I started getting attention from both men from both guys and girls mm-hmm. at high, in high school and the guys were interested in hooking up with the lesbian and having threesomes of, of course yeah yeah and then the girls were usually the ones that were curious but in a Catholic high school around that time it wasn't being gay was still new it was still very much taboo um, and it was very secretive so I made out with a couple of the boys I make out never hurt anybody I like right. making out yeah right um, <laughs> it's when they would be like oh well can you put your hand down my pants and I'm like no I'm done see you later bye <laughs> I'm done showing mine and yours and, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. don't push it like yeah um, did it feel any different when you were kissing the guys or the, the girls yeah it did it did and not even just like every time I kissed a guy or made out with a guy I always had to go make out with a girl <laughs> like, you had to like delete it with yeah I don't yeah, know yeah. what it was but it was just like it was like I it was like a vampire like I need my blood like I had like fake yeah. blood and I need to go get like the real thing to like replenish myself I need, yeah. needed to go make out with a woman um I don't know it's um, like when you're hungry and you snack and you're like I still gotta eat yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> I, I still need to to feast right, right, um right. so yeah it was guys I don't know it depends really on the person with girls it's I, I usually have taken the lead mm-hmm. with guys back in high school they they took more of the the lead and I kind of like that mm-hmm. um, just because I have a part of me that's very submissive and I like the aggression um, yeah it <laughs> So it must have been yeah. must have been difficult if you were one of the. I'm hearing rather that you used, that you were one of the only ones in your high school that came out explicitly. Yeah. While anybody that you played with was kind of you know clouded by shame and maybe guilt and maybe not fully into everything that you're into. Yeah. They were maybe more exploratory and you were determined. Yeah. I right? was. I was always. I've always been a curious type of person. Mm-hmm. I will always give anything a, a chance, whether whatever it is, food, a party, anything, you know, um, I'll always, because you don't know until you really try Yeah. kind of thing. Um, see, in high school, because the guys were giving me attention and the girls were scared that I liked them and I lost a lot of friends who were girls, I liked the attention I was getting from guys right. because not only could I check out girls together, but I, because they found me attractive, I could get away with like sitting on their lap and being cute and kissing them on the lips and it not me, like it being very platonic because they just, they didn't judge, they didn't care. Like, oh, you're, you're a lesbian. Great. Like, um, 
they they knew they would never like any nothing would ever happen right um and to them yeah they enjoyed you know this lesbian that's all in them and like they yeah. probably enjoyed the taboo as well like yeah like, here's yeah something i'm yeah. not supposed to be doing yeah yeah um but yeah when when i came out i mean i dealt with a lot of homophobia the first two years of high school and a lot of good came out of that um and after that more people started coming out and when i hit grade 12 a lot of people started apologizing to me for being so homophobic um people came out and came up to me and said you know thanks for for doing that because like now i i feel like i can come out and it doesn't matter so like i'm not one to toot my own horn and i've Mm -hmm. met people who have said like you coming out like has changed the whole course for everyone everyone can just feel them be themselves and uh yeah that was it was a good experience i went into high school with that it was supposed to be like the best four years of your life and i wasn't gonna spend it as someone who i wasn't even though i tried like the first year i had a picture of uncle jesse up in my locker and everything <laughs> uncle thinking, jesse. yeah hey, uncle he had, jesse he had good the, hair yeah he, he did and yeah so. so in this um in this period yeah were any of the people who were being homophobic to you did they end up being the same people that later came out any of them Hmm. Yeah, uh, that actually happened twice on like graduation day. And one girl came up to me and she said, I've always had a crush on you. I'm like, okay. I'm like, are you gay? And she's like, yeah. And she's like, I'm sorry. I kind of gave you like a hard time about it. She would give me a hard time about it. Just kind of like, you know, saying stuff like, you know, how much pussy did you eat today? Or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and I never knew how to take it, but I never got the sense that it was coming from a a mean place. So it was, it was just like a joke and I could take it. And uh, yeah. And then with the other girl, I think I saw her on like Instagram recently and she's out there and whatnot. Um, she was a little bit of a weird one. We almost, well, we tried to fool around, but she was just very awkward at that stage. And yeah, so, it, I mean, it's happened. Just slide so. into those DMs, who knows? Yeah, right? <laughs> so, and I think like, you know, when you know that you'll probably never see this person again, people are more inclined to just come out with it. So, but yeah, I've done a, a couple, like research on Facebook and I've seen people from high school that are now gay. And I'm like, no kidding. Uh. like. Interesting, yeah. It must be nice now. Yeah, right? So back in grade nine, you said you came out. Mm -hmm. And did you have a supportive family at that time? I had my mom. My father passed away when I was 10 months old. Mm -hmm. Um, Sorry to hear that. He said he'd always turn gay for Elvis, so I think he wouldn't have a problem with it. Nice. Um, Yeah, I came out to my mom, and she said, all right, you're going into your first year of high school. She's like, not that I don't believe you, but I'm, I want you to wait. Maybe give yourself, like, till you're in high school and settled in. And then, you know, check in with yourself if this is a phase. Maybe you're bi. Maybe you're just curious. And then, yeah, when my first year of high school was done, I didn't even, like, I told him, like, you know I'm still gay, right? And she's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, oh, okay. That, that's, that's cool. Um, my grandma told me I was going to hell. Um, but I laughed that off because my grandma is like she is a very interesting 
person. So when she said that, it was like, I know you're just saying that. And then we went to a wedding once and she kind of, she stood up for me. Like people were talking about me being gay and me being there with my girlfriend. And, you know, she's like, she told them like, what are you like? Why are you talking smack for? Like, there's like, who cares? Like, let her be, let her be happy. Um, so she eventually came around and because I'm part Portuguese and in European culture, it's more so you don't talk about it and you brush it under the rug. Like, you right, know, right. but you just don't talk about it. Me, if you're my family and you love me, I'm going to bring my partner around. And if you don't like it, then you're not going to see me. Like, that's how I see yeah. the, 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 the dynamic with I don't care. Like, you either accept me or you don't. Yeah, and you don't have to hide. Yeah. So I talked about it and I told them about, you know, the prides that I went to. And my mom was very open about it. My mom always had my back. My mom found me like LGBTQ support groups for teenagers, highly involved in like the 519 and Church and Wellesley. Um, yeah. And then I just kind of became more comfortable dealing also with the homophobia I was getting. Um, I learned to just give it back to people they'd be like carpet muncher and i'm like yeah you have any free samples like <laughs> it's a good one yeah okay. like <laughs> and like, i remember one girl she's like oh you're gay and i'm like tell me something i don't know like yeah. I, I actually stopped in front i'm like you know you wouldn't know i was a lesbian if i didn't come out of the closet right and she's like what closet are you talking about? And her friends are like, you idiot. Like it just, it just went to show like, so I started taking that on. Like, you're not going to throw this in my face, something that I'm telling you and you're throwing it in my face. So yeah, eventually I just become, became more confident with myself and was able to deal with homophobia on all kinds at school, um, in the workplace, in public, being called dyke and carpet muncher and all that stuff and eventually i mean i've been out for so long that i've seen things get better right that's so, what i wanted to ask is yeah. was was the high school period worse than than after high school than now yeah the high school period was was worse yeah um definitely i would say and then after high school I mean, I went to college, so you're around different people, more mature people, hopefully, you know, but I was, I was lucky enough that I was finally like, again, because when I had come out, being gay was just like starting to be something you talked about and something you would see on TV, like in soap operas, two males or females kissing. So, um, yeah, during college, I mean, you meet other people, you meet other gay people, there's gay clubs, like, you know, you can, you're of age, you can go out now, you can go to church in Wellesley and mingle and meet people, so definitely it became easier as I yeah. grew uh, older. You're not as incubated with yeah. the people you're stuck with in high school, you can go out and seek your own groups and, you know, find people yeah, that kind exactly. of validate you as opposed to well, challenge Well, it's interesting, because as much as church in Wellesley has has provided me a safe environment where I for self-validation I've also experienced like in the community people I guess what am I trying to say people who like there's little cliques so it's like 
yeah, we share this thing and we're both gay and like there's still like there's I've still met people who judge and who are just um I don't know, just maybe not on the same level as as I expected them to to be uh which I didn't like. Like for example, when I was when I dressed really femme and I'd go out People are like, what are you doing here? You're in a lesbian bar. And I'm like, yeah, I'm gay. Oh, well, you don't look gay. And this was coming from... <laughs> other women. Other women. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Why are you judging me based on how I look? Like, I don't... What are you, like, what are you doing? Why are you going, like, discriminating against me? Like, why? Because I don't look gay? Like, what is this? So it was that that was weird for me. The way you dressed, the way you came across. And it was just like... I felt like I was in high school over again sometimes. So I eventually just stopped going out to those clubs and found other things to occupy my time with. Yeah. Well, what strikes me also is that um, the village in Toronto, it seems to be primarily catering to men, to gay men. I don't see as much representation for women and lesbians yeah. in, uh, in the village. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and there was a recent YouTube video done on exactly what you just talked about we used to have slacks i mean and even before like i was even born there was the rooster or the hen house the pussy palace and these places all got shut down and yet because if you if you're on wellesley and you're more north of wellesley that's where slacks was it was near uh, where the beer garden is beside the beer store um and more south on wellesley is where there are more venues catered to gay men and it's it, it we don't have that one place i feel for me to really go anymore slacks used to be that for me it was an all-woman thing they've tried to put out make events catered to women only um and for one reason or another and i know it also involves like rent being high or even renting a space can be high so just the economy and yeah and, and, and taking that into consideration and the cost I don't I don't really know like it really still boggles my mind that we're not that developed as like let's say Montreal or New York where they have places specifically for lesbians to mm-hmm. go to so it really yeah it really um well, I just wonder if, yeah. if- this is just a reflection of patriarchy operating also in the gay community where women don't have as many opportunities don't aren't there are not as many business owners right? yeah in that way i don't know if that's the case but yeah. that's what i'm thinking as you're as you're telling me about this because i've heard and read some research on representation and how within the gay community there's still you know it's still more so about gay men yeah anytime somebody says gay they picture men yeah. When you talk about the gay community, you're thinking gay men. So that's the the strongest representation for the gay community, right? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's something. Yeah. To consider. I mean, I even wonder: are there are there um, bathhouses for women? There used to be before my time. I know mm. that um, when I was a teenager, I knew there, there. I remember in a group that I was, a girl had told me about it. Um, but again, they they either shut down or they got shut down. Um, I don't I don't know of any and I mean nowadays I don't I mean things things have changed you know and and maybe there are um, but uh, yeah I, I just find it yeah it's all catered to 
to to gay men and i mean i've i know people who have tried to go into one of the venues catered to gay males like they're a woman Mm -hmm. and they get denied like they get denied access because they're not gay right and they're not a man and like what are you doing oh well i'm with two of my friends but yeah it's always or like some venues will just if you're a female they'll kind of like give you like a look like what are you doing here this is not your turf you're a woman or you're a lesbian like and that's what i mean like we we keep out our own at the same like even though we want to be included and you know in society and all that and we've come so far we still have a lot of work to do in terms of including our own and i think something can be said if because most of those venues are male operated and male owned if we came together and was able to cater to everyone if you're going to talk about inclusivity and there's huge like gap between women venues for lesbians and then venues for gay men then i don't know work together figure out something where everyone can be involved maybe we have you use your one of your venues at like half the cost to have a lesbian night right you know where we can again where we can support each other and people can have a place to because i understand things are costly out there but i'm i don't know that's just where my head goes in terms of all that so yeah yeah absolutely okay so the next thing i wanted to get in with uh with you about was i talk a lot about sex positive communities Mm -hmm. on the podcast so that encompasses things like kink bdsm polyamory yeah all sorts of things where if anywhere do you fit in the sex positive communities and what have you started to explore maybe You have good questions. <laughs> I like talking to you. Um, Yay. <laughs> uh, I, if I had to put a label on it just to be cute, I would call it, I'd be a curious puppy boy. Curious puppy a boy? A curious puppy boy. Okay, you're going to have to unpack that one for me. <laughs> I think I'm unfamiliar with this one. Uh-oh. Um, Pat's learning. I'm... So I've started to explore where do I start unpacking it shirts and pants going everywhere um so just a little backstory I have mostly been in monogamous relationships um I then was in a non-monogamous relationship with a girl that didn't last very long but it taught me a lot Mm -hmm. um and it always kind of stuck with me then I after that I went to monogamous relationships and then I met the love of my life and we are non-monogamous and um, somehow like just how we met and how we vibed and she was also exploring non-monogamy and she wanted a primary and it just so happened that like I really liked her and you know would definitely be open to non-monogamy again Um, and so as we kind of took this thing on to you know experience I really like thought about I'm like you know what like this this is for me being non-monogamous and I've thought about all my relationships and all my past experiences and why I may have acted in one way or another through all those monogamous relationships and then when that relationship blossomed 
um, and we started to explore because I'm able to be honest with her about anything and she doesn't judge me and it's so good. Are we talking Just about your current partner? My current partner. <laughs> my current yeah, yeah. partner, yes. Um, so it, it was, we started first exploring, um, I don't know if there's a term for it because I'm f- still fairly new to the community and s- learning about all the terms and whatnot. Um, but I like to, so what's something that soothes me is uh, sucking on a bottle. So mm-hmm. she's like, she's, she wasn't weirded out by that. And she's like, she, you know, asked like why? And I'm like, well, when I was little to go to sleep, you know, my grandfather would always like rub my head and I'd have a baba and with milk and it would just soothe me the fuck down. And she's like, so do you want to explore that? And I'm like, oh, yeah. oh, someone who's not judging me. I'm like, I, you're like the first person I've ever told about this because I was brought up that that's weird and you don't, what are you doing? And like 31 year old is doing that. Like what the heck is going on? And no, she was open to it. And then, so that's something we've explored. And then I think she told me once to get down on my knees and I did without hesitation. And I think that's what started the puppy uh, mistress dynamic. Um, I'm puppy boy and I will either uh, refer to her as mistress or kitten and sometimes we will get all animal like and she'll be a kitten and I'll be a puppy Um, I like her telling giving me like demands and orders and what to do and like being at her beck and call like yeah so you found that woman who can draw out your submissive side yeah that you didn't have in high school yeah yeah there was um I I've always been kind of both dominant and submissive. Yeah, switch. Um, and I, I've always liked to, you know, that in a partner where you can explore both. And like I said, she, I can explore anything with her. She's so supportive. Um, so it kind of, we took on that and we started looking at like puppy masks. I was going to ask about puppy masks. Yeah, puppy masks and where to buy them. And then we've met puppies like at Pride or at Oasis and we get excited and like there's a whole community of this not just men women all sorts of people identities um and uh i again like i said i'm always open to explore anything and since those two those were really major for me because i've never had a dynamic with anyone where i could explore just things that other might other people might think is weird or strange and so i get to explore fantasy and sexuality and just being me however that looks like and it's supported so um those two things when we had that dynamic going and we still have that dynamic going has kind of left me more open to try other things Mm -hmm. with her and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. So So the curious aspect of Curious Puppy Boy means you're still navigating and looking for yeah. whatever else can be drawn out of you. Yeah. The puppy I get. Yeah. And then the boy part. Mm, the boy part. I remember her asking me if I wanted to be referred to as puppy girl or puppy boy. And 
I identify as, you know, non-binary, androgynous. Um, I have my masculinity to me. And I like when it comes out, and that's a way that it comes out as being a puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I told her, I'm like, say, like, you can call me puppy boy. Because it helps. I don't know. It's easy for me to get in that that state. And I just feel more masculine in a sense. I just feel it inside me. I so know it feels like a safer place to, to yeah, exercise your masculinity. Yeah, because the whole like femininity and masculinity has actually been a struggle for me since I cut my hair. Right. I used to have very long hair. You said you were fem in high school. Yeah. Right. Um, and then even afterwards for some yeah. time. And in 2015, I cut my hair. And it was still like, you could still... It was still feminine in a sense, but then it got shorter and then it got shorter. And the challenges around that have just been like, not only just the washroom and being misgendered, but also just gender dysphoria in a sense that I have this very feminine personality. I, th- I think so. And when I open my mouth, people like it doesn't compute when people look at me and then I open my mouth because it's like oh you look more masculine you like a lot of people mistake me for a boy but then you talk like a girl a very femme girl Mm -hmm. um and it's like doesn't compute to people and then that get has gotten in my head and my partner's given me a safe space where I can be both and she loves both and I love that she loves both because that's me just being my true unapologetic self um but I mean, I think yeah. a, I think a lot of this uh, this stuff around gender performativity yeah. and what we go around being performing. Mm-hmm. I think that is important f- to challenge people's notions of what gender is supposed to look like, what performance is supposed to look like. So this type of work, as exhausting as it must be for you, yeah, is pushing the envelope. I think in a good direction. And the more people that are comfortable doing it, the more people that can hear podcasts like this, you talking about it and making it more visible, making it more okay, is going to slowly change people's perceptions around what to expect with gender, with performance, with all of it. And hopefully there'll be more inclusive spaces and more sort of open-minded humans that yeah. don't have to make you feel like you don't belong and don't cause you to to challenge your own notions of gender. Yeah. So you can hopefully repeat somewhere in yourself that it is a performance and you can elect to do it as you feel suits whatever your needs are. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I'm totally on board with uh with that. Um Yeah, like a lot of most people that I encounter um especially like you know past partners and experiences um they look at me and then they they see masculine and they think i'm automatically oh she's dominant and there's no submissiveness to her and she's like hardcore not femme at all and when actually i'm kind of like i can swing like i can pretty much go with the flow kind of thing but they put me in automatically in this masculine box this dominant box where it's like actually i like to be a little femme i like to be you know submissive and someone being and then i like to flip it so 
it's interesting just how based on appearance um people automatically make judgment of how you are in the bedroom and how you are sexually absolutely oh well she's more masculine looking so that means she must make the first move and and that's been tough because then people won't come up to me because of their like preconceived notions and yeah so like even now i'm looking to like buy a wig because I want, I know for me, if I wear a wig where I have longer hair, I'll be able to get in touch with my feminine side, maybe on a higher level than I can't really right now. Um, and again, for me, that's just all fun. Like, yeah. I'll wear it and it's when I feel it's like another, it. And, it's another get up, right? Yeah, to exercise so, part of your performance. Yeah, exactly. At the same time, thinking about this in terms of, of going to the bedroom and the way that you engage in sexual relationships with people is your identity can sometimes become fetishized and people will only engage with you sexually yeah. as you were saying yeah. in very particular ways and ignore that there might be you know a human in the process yeah of, yeah yeah so in so many ways people get fetishized either for their skin color their appearance they're even if they say that they're they're dominant even if they say that they're submissive or a switch that can still become fetishized and lock somebody in to a type of relationship that doesn't allow exploration yeah and people can get fucking sick of it and yeah. tired of you know being treated as unidimensional fetishes yeah that's why like when people if people ask my partner oh you know is that your boyfriend is that your girlfriend that's ashley that's that's puppy boy that's there's no like you know so oh are you a boy or a girl i'm ashley hi how are you i'm human i'm i think you're human too so let's go based on on that my gender and my identity shouldn't be the first thing that like no if that's how we're gonna meet then i mean sometimes i i understand it from someone who just doesn't want to use the wrong pronouns for example and i've I don't know, I've had too many experiences where people just say, how do I, like, what pronouns do you use? I've been in a lot of spaces now where that's being incorporated. Um, yeah, it's it's putting people in a box. And it's, but it's just opened up my eyes how you really shouldn't. And especially with when I cut my hair and how people perceive me. And I'm like, but that's not who I am. Like, and I yeah. just want to scream it out to everybody. And... I don't know and maybe like sometimes I've been worried like is it gonna be like am I gonna disappoint them because like the minute I open up my mouth I'm not gonna be that studly you know more masculine I guess dominant person they're looking for expecting are you gonna be turned off are we gonna like am I gonna lose an opportunity to get to know someone because of expectations based on how you present yourself I don't know but I just figure life happens and I meet who I meet and those that don't care yeah sometimes you get lucky and you meet people that are willing to explore more than just the apparent and maybe draw things out of you that you didn't expect yeah which is what it sounds like you were saying earlier Mm -hmm. so that moves me into the next sort of thing that i wanted to talk about which is what are you now looking forward to exploring or in the near future everything and anything (laughs) that's that's a broad category yeah right um 
I look forward to going to Oasis more. Um, I was introduced to it by the first person I was ever with in a non-monogamous relationship and I enjoyed it and then I just never really went and they have certain nights themes that I I think are just special just like in terms of like everyone's just naked doing yoga or in the pool and yeah so I just look forward to it because sometimes I still get like everybody's naked this is okay yeah like it's yeah because I wasn't raised in like a a sex negative household it's just with my mom always working and dad gone and my grandma being very religious I was never had a lot of it was never really talked about um but uh I also look forward to exploring things with my partner um and just growing with us and us being non-monogamous and how that looks for us um because it, it it can be scary you know when you're with someone you love a lot and want to spend your life with and be in this dynamic where someone else might be involved and then deal, dealing with like maybe feelings of jealousy or whatnot and, naturally yeah. you know so um but i'm looking forward to it because she is just I wouldn't want to do with anybody else. Um, I'm looking forward to going to more sex parties. Oh, Definitely. Okay. I keep hearing about these sex parties. I've never been to a party where there's an orgy or like people are just talking and on, you know, the other room people are, you know, doing mingling in whatever sense that looks like. Um, just, I feel like it'll really help ease my own discomfort with just being around people who are comfortable with their sexuality and knowing like that's okay like and so seeing others doing it will yeah like no one's there to judge you everyone's different body shapes sizes people like and it's beautiful that they're taking something that some people think is very just just for reproduction very taboo not that there's anything wrong with that but like it can be still seen in a negative light sex and orgies and whatnot that being around this safe environment with with people who are also interested in that i i feel will definitely help whatever like issues i may still have in you know my nerves like just i don't know i don't know what to expect right so yeah just being in a non-judgmental environment and exploring sexuality in a different way watching so so is the important aspect for you going forward exploration for the sake of curiosity or is it more so a sense of liberation having the freedom to do the things that you want to do to fulfill you Mm -hmm. i would say a bit of both naturally curious if i have an opportunity to go to something or do something that i've never done before i'll do it so um yeah curiosity you know if i go and be like hey this is not for me i can easily leave or if i'm you know if i don't then i'll stay and just kind of take in how i feel and what's happening for me and process that and just um but yeah it's also a sense of liberation because i guess a small part of me wants i look at like when i've seen people engage at oasis i'm like 
wow like for me that takes a lot of confidence just to have people watching I engaged one set Oasis and people watched and it was very nerve-wracking for me yeah and when I see people so comfortable like that it kind of in an indirect way like I want to be comfortable like that they're comfortable with their bodies they're comfortable like doing whatever in front of people because they know it's safe and it's beautiful and however they see it in such a positive way and I want to be that person and whether it's at a party or at Oasis like I know being more being more comfortable in myself seeing other people be more comfortable in themselves it it helps and I feel like it would help me and also like just my partnership with my partner it takes time it takes time so I'm going to have potentially in the future a couple come on the podcast to discuss what it's like performing in Mm. front of others particularly at Oasis doing the spectator sex because it is nerve-wracking there's performance anxiety there's eyes on you there's the gaze from multiple people yeah and there's the expectations right you have to perform now not in the way that makes you feel good but in a way that also looks good for an audience so it is a strange headspace and it's not necessarily for everybody but if you do want to be that kind of person that type of comfort takes a little bit of time and it helps if you have good people that you can trust around you so if it's not just you and your partner in a room with strangers watching but you and your partner in a room with friends who are also Mm -hmm. there to support you and to kind of block out the audience and you create your own circle in there so then the audience is minimized by the amount of support that you have that also tends to help yeah and there's also other things being overwhelmed being you know Uh, anxious but all these things can be worked with and I know I've spoken to some people off air yeah that have explained these things to me and I'm I'm eager to get them on air to discuss exactly kind of the the stages and steps that it's taken to to get there because for people with vaginas it's not readily apparent when performance is an issue yeah for people with penises it's a little yeah. more apparent yeah. when performance is an issue right so it's it's a good uh i think idea to get kind of both sides of that deal because just because you have a vagina that operates independent of your mentality yeah. right doesn't mean that play is going to be comfortable yeah right yeah and yeah that it's not gonna scar you a little bit yeah definitely physically and mentally actually yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i'm just I'm used to engaging with my partner in the privacy of our own bedrooms. So yeah. most people are right. You that's know, that's yeah. the way that we've been socialized. It's you know, yeah. fucking um, is supposed to be private and taboo. Yeah. So just uh, yeah, that's. It'll take some time, yeah. some exposure, but you seem curious and interested and and wanting very to. Very much so. It's so before I, I let you off the hook, I want to ask: Is there a particular fantasy that you have in your head right now? You can assume whatever you want in this fantasy that you're already comfortable with everything. What would that look like? It would look like my partner and I playing with others and men and women. Um, And when I say playing, um, everything underneath the sun, sex, blowjobs, Seating wow. out, sucking, grabbing, um, spanking, and 
me playing with a male as well and being comfortable in that sense um and just feeling support and safety that like it's just like that's how it is so you don't even have to think twice and about emotions or you're not really nervous so um yeah just doing stuff like that that's that's really yeah that's an interesting answer because i think for a lot of people that would be listening right now to somebody who identifies as a lesbian who has not had sexual experiences with men beyond kissing is what i'm hearing yeah yeah the idea of you wanting to engage now with men i guess prompts the question why um natural curiosity in my dreams it's always felt good Mm -hmm. um when i started using toys that were actually shaped like the real thing like resemble the the real thing um it it started to feel good so i don't know i just curiosity Mm -hmm. and i'm i'm finally at an age in a place and with someone uh, you know who supports everything that i feel and want and want to explore um but at at a stage in my life where i feel comfortable exploring that because it's if i told my mom this she'd be like well what the hell i thought you were a lesbian she'd put me in that box and it's like well wait a minute that doesn't take away from that just because i'm naturally curious so i would just now i just see it as i'm a human who's interested in another type of human Mm. And yeah, so that's that's exactly what I was thinking. What you just said at the end right now. I mean, I asked the question for the sake of the audience because I I suspect that a lot of people would have a question like your mother would have. Yeah. Where if you're categorized as something as a lesbian, as heterosexual, as gay, as whatever it is, then you have to fit within the parameters of that box. Otherwise, you lose your badge. And now you're no longer the honorary lesbian, gold star lesbian, whatever the hell it was that. Well, yeah, yeah I've right? been, I'm a gold star. Yeah, I've never so, had sex. And now with you're men, gonna have to so lose your like, gold star. Oh my god. And, yeah. yeah. Right. So. And yeah, that's a lot to take on. Like, too, yeah. I think about that. I've actually not thought about that a lot lately. I have in the past. Cause it's like this. You know, you get a star when you're a kid, like a sticker, like yeah. good job, and it's like oh, my star, like. But yeah. no, screw that. I know who yeah. I am. Yeah. So. I don't know. You want to try pineapple on pizza? Ew, gross. Go ahead. Oh, you're one of those. Okay, we're going to have a debate. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, I I see sexuality on on a continuum. I don't see it as categories, right? So it's not somebody's gay or straight or bi or wherever, pansexual. It's just you fluctuate, you're curious, you're on some kind of continuum. And if you want to explore that, who's to say that? Yeah, you know, you, you shouldn't, can't. or you can't, or that it's unbecoming of your boxed-in parameters, and you're gonna lose your stars. Yeah. So, for yeah. anyone listening that's curious and mm-hmm. interested, you know, find somebody to support you on that path because it doesn't mean that you have to stay there your whole life mm-hmm. uncomfortably. No, no, you do not. Yeah. Yeah. all right yeah, thank well, you thank you so much ashley for yeah. coming on the show and talking thanks. and talking about your story thanks yeah i really and enjoyed myself yeah that well, was good hopefully we'll get a chance to do it again yeah that'd be cool Great. awesome thanks. you are listening to intellectual erection a place where we talk about the naughty to stimulate your thinking